0: Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, where do the Hawks fit in to the Eastern Conference picture? How good of a job did Travis Schlenk really do? And will Stetson make his appearance at the Combine? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to head to youtube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser when you get there. Leave us a comment. Hit that subscribe button as we're climbing toward 6,000 folks. It's part of our ever-growing community. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite audio podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, whatever your favorites are. You can download us for free. Roku and Amazon Fire, yes, we are available on those platforms as well. And then give me a follow at JMCH316. So we kind of anticipate the idea that the Hawks are not really going to make that big of a move. And certainly with the Kevin Durant trade, it's shaken up the Eastern Conference, but also maybe from the Hawks' standpoint that we, you know, got word that the Phoenix Suns were one of the teams that if a deal for Durant didn't come through for everything, maybe they would be in the market for a John Collins. So it doesn't look like that that's likely going to happen at this point. I still think that they could move bogey. But again, we talked yesterday. I have a real feeling, a sinking feeling that there's not going to be anything that happens with this Hawks team, that they're going to leave the roster intact as is, I do believe that they're going to have the coach in place for the rest of this season. Nate will probably leave at the end of the year. And so you're going to roll the dice on what this roster is and the coaching staff and and everything is right now. So where do the Hawks stack up in the Eastern Conference? Well, look, they're not Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. So we can scratch those three teams right off the list. They're nowhere near what those three teams are you wonder about the Brooklyn Nets, you know, yes, they did lose Kyrie. They did lose Kevin Durant, but they actually accumulated some pieces back, you know, and I'm not saying that you can replace those guys, but, you know, if those guys can be healthy and they can figure out some chemistry, you know, they could still be a decent team. Now, I think that they definitely take a step back. They're 32-22 they're and 22 right now in the Eastern Conference, sitting in the number 5 seed. I do think that they come back to the pack a little bit. So that's good news for the Hawks. Now, the Cavaliers are a very interesting team. One thing about the Cavaliers is, if we're honest, they don't know how to win just yet. But they certainly, when you look at teams in the Eastern Conference, that somebody does not want to get into a first round series with that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. They don't know what they don't know, right? That's the old saying. They may not know how to win just yet, but they could be a very dangerous team. So you figure that the nets come back a little bit to the pact, and then you've got Miami and New York that are directly ahead of the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks are what? Two and a half games um, below the Knicks. They're three games below the Miami heat. Now, one thing that should be favorable, although the Hawks have not taken advantage of this is the fact that of their 27 games that are left 17 are at home, 10 are away. When you look at the Knicks in Miami, the Knicks have 12 games at home with 14 on the road. Miami has 14 at home with 13 on the road. Now, for the Knicks, they've actually been a better road team than they have been a home team. So, they've they're only 14 and 15 at Madison Square Garden and they're actually 16 and 11 on the road. That's a really good record. So with with more road games than what they have home games and they haven't played well at home, okay, you know, that could be a factor. Miami's been really good at home. They're 18 and nine at home this year, 12 and 16 on the road. They only have one more home game than they do road games, but certainly that they have been one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference at home. I mean, they're not Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, even Cleveland at home, but they're right there below those teams. So look, the only way the Hawks are going to get through the Knicks, through Miami, and maybe if Brooklyn falls back to the pack is they're going to have to be terrific at home. And the Hawks really turned it on in the latter part of last year at home. And they had, again, we talked about this in the podcast. They had one of the better home records in the NBA. I think they were the, the fourth most wins at home in the Eastern conference. They've got to get on one of those kinds of runs. And it starts tonight with Phoenix you know, they're all, ba- I mean, they're literally all banged up. You know, Devin Booker's on a minutes restriction. Obviously, no Durant. He's dealing with the MCL sprain. So, they're really at a limited roster tonight. That should be a W. San Antonio coming in. That should be a W on Saturday. And then you go to Charlotte, and, you know, Charlotte's beaten us twice. They, they've won there. They've won in Atlanta. They're one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. But, uh, yeah, and they have the second fewest wins in the Eastern Conference. But they have beaten the Hawks twice, which is frustrating as all get out. Those are the kinds of games where you look back and say, man, you know, a game here and a game there and a game there and all that kind of stuff. So if the Hawks are going to make a move in the East and and they, do I think that they are a six seed team? Maybe some teams are going to have to fall back to the pack a little bit. You know, if Brooklyn falls back a little bit, Miami or New York moves up a little bit, but the Hawks have to be outstanding at home. They they have to, they have to really take advantage of the fact that they have 17 of their 27 games at home and they've got to get on one of those kinds of runs that we saw from the Hawks last year. If not, then they're really going to stay about in that seven to eight seed range. Because I don't think Brooklyn is, you know, just again, look, Kyrie, Durant, yes, mega losses. But I don't look at them with the pieces that they got back. And, and I'll tell you one thing, too the Knicks improved themselves by getting Josh Hart yesterday. Who was he traded for? Oh, yeah. Cam Reddish. Yeah. Remember when he was going to be a star and all that? And you all told me how wrong I was about Cam Reddish that I didn't see it and, and you know, that I was missing all of it. Oh, OK. All right. We're we're, we're oh, we all of a sudden magically move past all that. But anyway, um, the Josh Hart pickup from Portland was a really good pick. And and Hart was a guy that had averaged, you know, he was traded up to uh, New Orleans as part of the um uh, oh gosh, the the uh, C.J. McCollum deal, and he was averaging almost 20 points a game for them. So that's a good pickup for the Knicks. So they added a piece that they can certainly you know, that can definitely be a part of their rotation, unlike Cam Reddish. So maybe a little bit harder to catch them, but certainly with where the Hawks are, you have to be great at home. You have to take advantage of the home part of your schedule. You have to take advantage of teams that are not as good as you. There are some things working in the Hawks' favor that even if they don't make a move at the deadline, schedule and things like that, which the Hawks have done a lousy job of taking advantage of throughout this entire season, could things play out that they still find themselves into a six seed? Potentially. But I don't think that they're... we. I certainly don't think that they are any better than a six seed and probably more realistically, still in that seven to eight spot for the Hawks in the East. All right, let's talk about my friends over at FanDuel. Listen, we're excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On. It's the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, we've got a great deal for you. So download FanDuel right now and place your first wager on Super Bowl 57 with the no sweat first bet. And you could get as much as $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel lets you bet on everything, point spreads, money lines, who's going to score a touchdown. Everything's available to you. It's a safe, secure, easy-to-use application. But best of all, you get your winnings instantly. So head today to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. FanDuel.com slash locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and you could qualify if you don't win your first bet up to $3,000 in bonus bets. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of the NFL. So I was looking back through a little bit of the history and you know, as Tom Cruise said in the movie Cocktail, nothing ends well or it wouldn't end. And that's obviously Travis Schlenk and the Atlanta Hawks and whatever the reasons are. What my gut tells me is that there was a power play between Travis Schlenk wanting to go in the luxury tax because he understands that to build a competitive roster year over year, you're going to go in the luxury tax versus Tony Wrestler who I think mandated that, look, we're not going to go in the luxury tax because it doesn't make sense. We're a fledgling kind of team. So there is a balancing act. And I understand that from the Travis Schlenk side of things that you're not going to be as competitive if you can't get in the luxury tax and sign your guys and add more pieces to it. But I also understand Tony Ressler that you're the owner. It doesn't make sense to go years into the luxury tax and it be punitive. When it starts costing you a lot of money, you know, not you know, not so bad your first year, but that second and third year really gets you into some trouble. And the Hawks' payroll is gonna go up, even if they just keep everybody, their payroll's going up significantly. DeAndre Hunter, 9.9 to 21 million. John Collins is owed a few million more, Trey Young is owed a few million more. If Bogey were to opt in, he'd be 18 million. You got a lot of money that's still committed and, you know, you're going to try to look at adding a piece or two or things like that. But with that, how good was the Travis Schlenk era? How how much did he change the franchise? Okay. Let's start with the Trey Young, you know, trade. They draft Luca, they trade for Trey Young. Okay. Was that the best trade in hindsight? I, I still think for this organization, because, Here's the thing. We were told that, you know, we were going to build it in the way that Golden State was built and in different things like that. Okay, so the Luca for Trey, did we get the better player? I don't know. I I mean, I I don't think it's as egregious as what some people do. And the state of the franchise isn't that drastically different from what we've accomplished and what Dallas has accomplished. I, I think probably at the end of the day, Luca will be a better player than Trey Young, but how much does that translate into his franchise's success? Look, he's got an owner that's going to spend whatever it's going to take, you know, and they just picked up Kyrie Irving. They're going to spend with Mark Cuban, whatever it's got to be. Luxury tax be damned and all that kind of stuff. So that's the first big move. The draft picks from from um, Travis Schlenk, Getting uh, DeAndre Hunter, getting Cam Reddish, Aniyeka Akangwu, Jalen Johnson. Okay, you know you look at you look at some of the second round picks. They've been bust. Skyler Mays, Sharif Cooper. Those guys have done nothing. And when you look at honestly, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Aniyeka Akangwu, who was the sixth pick of the draft. You know, a is a serviceable guy, but they haven't got anybody that's a running mate for Trey Young. You know, the, the John Collins pick is still maybe where it was picked, still the best pick that Travis Schlank made. But again, he's regressed. And, and and I'm not blaming all of this on Travis Schlank. I mean, coaching and different things and philosophy and things like that. But... <laughs> Travis Schlenk did bring in Lloyd Pierce and he did bring in Nate McMillan. While I, let me put it like this while I understand that there are some good things that Travis Schlenk did, okay, is it maybe that he had more swings and misses than he had doubles and triples and home runs and things? You know, yes. Are we a better franchise than when we were gutting the roster and in rebuild mode at the end of the Mike Budenholzer era. Yes, we're, we're not a 23-win team anymore, right? And we had the miraculous run, and I think everybody got caught up in the emotion of that run. But when you look back, you know, it's been very hit or miss on the draft picks for Travis Schlenk. His free agent signings have been pretty good. You know, they they built that roster with Bogey and Gallinari, and they they had some pretty good things that they that they had done. Kevin Herter was another good draft pick. But now we've moved on from Kevin Herter, and, you know, once he tried to get paid, you know, and we wanted to not be in the luxury tax. And then again, the coaching. You know, Lloyd Pierce was always going to be the stopgap. He was never going to be here when they got good. I'm not saying he's Mark Jackson, but he was never going to be here when they got good. But he almost had to kind of promote Nate McMillan. You know, I look at, honestly, we didn't draft the way that the Golden State Warriors drafted. You know, Steph, Clay, Draymond Green, that big home run. You know, that was a massive home run that Travis Schlenk was part of, and, and he was a big influence in getting Draymond Green. Drafting him, I think, at the 35th thirty fifth 35th pick of the draft in the second round. That was a huge home run. We haven't done enough of that. Collins is regressing. DeAndre Hunter's not taking any steps forward. Jalen Johnson is, you know, what he is. Yeka Kongwu is a serviceable piece. You would like to think that the sixth pick of the draft would be better, but in NBA terms... You know, and Yeka Kongu is a serviceable piece. He's not better than Clint Capella as a starter. And he's not, and, and unless they trade Capella and move on from him, you know, he won't get his chance to start. But how much really better is the franchise? And again, I'm not blaming Travis for everything, but certainly, you know, the early part of Travis's run and that Eastern Conference Finals run, we've never built off of that. We've never built through the draft off of it. We never built through free agency off of it. And and again, we haven't built through our coaching staff. You know, he's hired the two guys that, you know, have been our coach. And again, Lloyd, okay, you you were going to move on from Lloyd Pierce at some point. But we had Nate McMillan. Maybe he wasn't the guy. Maybe he's not turning out to be the guy right now. I just think that the era of Travis Schlenk and we'll see we'll certainly see what Kyle Corver and Landry Fields and I think that they are going to be more in line with the owner's vision of what this franchise is going to look like moving forward but you know if in a year from now we're talking about Nate McMillan has stepped down as coach, John Collins is traded, Deandre Hunter's not getting better you know, this organization is going to look a lot differently, and the Travis Schlenk era will sort of just be a blip on the radar when all is said and done. And and the, the whole thing, and it will always go back to, whether this is fair or unfair, it's always going to go back to, did we get Trey and Luca right? And no matter, uh, unless you drafted so well, and you hired the great coaches and everything like that, everything's going to circle back to, was it Trey or Luka? Which one was the right pick? And, and, you know, we know now that Travis Schlenk was a little bit more in the Luka camp. We we've heard, you know, stories that have come out that he was a little bit more in the Luka camp, but he's always going to be defined by that. The problem is we haven't built around enough of that. We haven't gotten enough of our draft picks right that are star-level players. We haven't done enough in free agency that they are blips on the radar, and we certainly don't have the stability at our head coach. So it's a fair job that Travis Schlenk did, but to say that he did a great job with the organization is probably a little bit of revisionist history. All right, uh, besides making hit and Heart with John Chuck for your first listen every day, make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available Spotify, YouTube, Apple, wherever you get all your favorite podcasts from. Check us out there. So the University of Georgia had 12 invites to the Combine in Indianapolis, and, you know, this is the next big step. I mean, obviously, we had the Senior Bowl a week or so ago, and that's the first postseason action with the East-West Shrine game, you know, but the Senior Bowl's the big one, and then now we get ready for the Combine coming up. So Georgia had 12 players that were invited to the Combine. Now, we obviously talked about Stetson Bennett, that he was not at the Senior Bowl, and Jim Nagy was a little bit butthurt by all of that and thought he could have done some things like that. So does Stetson now make his grand appearance at the Combine? I would say yes, and I I think that there are a lot of things that are different about the combine, okay? And I heard DeMarie Smith's comments about the combine and things like that. First off, okay, so everybody understands and knows the single solitary reason that the combine was set up initially was to get everybody into one location and do one set of medicals on everybody physicals and medical, every, everybody had one set of medicals. So you weren't flying from team to team to team and the chargers get a medical report and the Falcons get a medical report and the lions get a medical report. You brought everybody in to get one standard set of medical history for these guys. That's why it was put together. That's why they brought everybody in to Indianapolis was to do all the medicals. Then it's evolved into bench press and shuttle runs and lawn darts and hula hoops and, you know, whatever else that they've got going on and throwing drills and all that kind of stuff. And then the interview process, which, to be honest with you, this is the number one thing that Stetson Bennett needs to get in front of teams on to sell him on why he should be drafted. You know, he obviously had the public intoxication. And while that's not a big deal, What teams are going to look for is does he take ownership of it? Does he, you know, say, I had a brain fart and it was a dumb, dumb thing that I did? Does he own up to it? Does he take responsibility for it? You know, why did he not go to the senior bowl? These are going to be questions that are asked about Stetson. I I, I think more than I I don't think Stetson's going to throw with the combine. I don't know if he's going to bench press at the combine. But when you're, going to a job interview and you're getting in front of your potential employers and you can win them over with you know again you're a two time national championship quarterback you know everybody said that you couldn't do it but then you went out and did it but then you've had some stub your toes in the off season whether it was the parade whether it was you know the the public intoxication Teams are going to want to know that. And I think Stetson Bennett could do himself a lot of good by getting in front of teams. Now, look, again, he's a different cat and a different animal. I've I've sat and talked to Stetson. He sat two feet from me, 20 inches from me. He's a different breed. He's not a disrespectful kid. He's not a he, he's not a, you know, uh uh, you know, an angry kind of. Player, you know, he's, but he's got a chip on his shoulder and he carries that around with it. You know, he's got the, the, you know, the old commercial that that's the battery on your shoulder. I dare you to knock this off. He's got that kind of mentality and that served him well on the football field. But, you know, does it serve you well when you're off the field? Does it serve you well when you're going to stand up in front of the media or different people like that? You know, look, Georgia doesn't allow uh, their kids to get up in front of the media and do all kinds of pressers and different things like that. That's a different life in the NFL. Those are things that are expected of you to get in front of the media, whether you do radio, whether you do TV, whether you just do a media scrum or whatever like that. So while I don't think Stetson, you know, is a bad guy or anything like that, he does have to kind of take responsibility for what his actions have been since, you know, the national championship game. I think his on-field tape and everything like that speaks for itself. And and he'll throw when they get to their pro day and all that kind of stuff. I don't expect him to throw and do the drills and everything else that, you know, 40-yard dash or whatever like that. I think he'll do more of that at at the Georgia pro day. Because that's where you'll really get, with all due respect, you'll get, the Bill Belichicks and the big time coaches of the world that will be in Athens, you know, Athens, Tuscaloosa, those are the places where the high caliber high impact coaches are going toward. Like they may not always be at, you know, central Florida's pro day, or they may send their representatives, but you can bet that the top tier guys, coaches, GMs, will be in Athens. They'll be in Tuscaloosa. They'll be in Baton Rouge, right? They'll go to those big-time programs. But Stetson needs this combine to at least allow himself that he can take responsibility, he can answer some questions, and he can at least calm the nerves of, okay, should I draft this guy? Should I pick this guy? I think it would do him a lot of good. And I expect him to be there. I expect him to answer the questions. I don't expect him to throw and run and do all the different things. He'll save that for when the time is right, throwing to his guys in Athens at their pro day. But I think he would do a lot of good to get in front of teams and to sell himself on why he should be picked, not just because of the on-field stuff, but why he could be – the face of somebody's franchise. And I understand he's not going to be a number one draft pick and all that kind of stuff, but you still, when you talk about quarterbacks, you never know when you're going to get that opportunity. Look at Brock Purdy. You know, he's become the face of the, you know, 49ers franchise for the last few months because he was thrust into that position and he was Mr. Irrelevant. You get in front of those people. You got to be able to handle the business end of the football not just what happens on the field. All right, we well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you get all of your favorites. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports and Landing into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button. As we're headed towards 6,000, folks, be a part of our growing community. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, whatever your favorites are, you can check us out there. We are available, too, on Roku and Amazon Fire. Find us there. Find us on those platforms. And then give me a follow at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. We'll wrap up the week tomorrow. This has been hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.